Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I'm joined as always by Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello. We are here to do a little bit of a news roundup because we are too far away from any pre-season testing or any real livery reveals because that thing that Renault did doesn't count. <laughs> you almost sound like you don't want to be here, Tom. Yeah, I'm just, I'm We're just here. giving people... You've got you've got to give people like a an expectation. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. We're here despite there being no news. We're here anyway. Yeah. We've somehow man- well, I say we. Chris has somehow managed to write five to ten paragraphs of news. So over to Chris. Yeah, well Thanks. Chris. Um, well, what was probably going to be the biggest piece of news this week is now actually not happening. We expected to have. <laughs> A vote this week on the engine freeze that Red Bull have proposed, but it's now apparently been pushed back a couple of weeks. Um, so for some context, the current engine regs run until 2025, but Red Bull, now Honda have announced they're leaving at the end of this year, want to freeze the current engines, uh, freeze all developments until, sorry, from the first race of the 2022 season, which will basically allow Honda to keep developing for the next 12 months and then hand the engines over to Red Bull, who will be able to run them themselves, presumably with some weird rebadge like they did with the Tag Heuer Renault ones a few years ago. Um, They've rebadged if- it, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> nice niche reference. Because, <laughs> um, of course, without that, Red Bull would basically left with the choice of carrying on running undeveloped engines while everyone else is developing them or returning to Renault or I guess leaving F1 would be the third option there, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Apparently for the, to go through, they need 27 out of 34 votes to go their way. How those numbers come about, I have no idea. Because FYI rules, I guess. Um, all the teams no, they, get... Wasn't there like different teams have a different number of votes? Different parties have a different number of votes, sorry. I think all I think the teams it... have a set number that equal. Yeah, it used... Have... it used to be a bit more complicated, but I think in recent years I cleaned it up a bit. Basically now every team has a vote. Every power unit manufacturer has a vote. And then F1 and the FII have 10 votes apiece. Yeah, because it, it was Balanced. like... Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was like Mercedes would obviously get two votes technically because one is the team entry and one is the engine supplier entry. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. so essentially, Red Bull obviously think that F1 and the FIA are on their side with this, so they need to convince seven teams or power unit manufacturers to go along with them. Um, well, less <laughs> than seven because I guess one of the votes is theirs and one of the votes is Toro Rosso's and there. Toro Rosso, no. Alpha Terry. Um, do you think they would count? At, do you think they would get two votes if they were saying they wanted to enter as their engine supplier? Has anyone brought that up yet? Yeah, it's, from what I've read, it sounds like essentially they will get a Honda vote, a Red Bull vote, and an Alpha Terry yeah. vote in their favour. So they're actually only looking at four of the teams they need to convince. Um, mm-hmm. They've also proposed some kind of mechanism to kind of balance performance between the power units as well, potentially by doing something like using fuel flow limits, but I think that's probably something they will propose if this initial vote goes through. It's a weird one, though, isn't it? It's like, on one hand, should all the other teams of power unit manufacturers really be bending over to help Red Bull? No. But at the same... 
it, it comes down to like a good of the sport thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's where I'm sort of, I kind of float in the middle with this at the minute because, mm. yeah, if, I mean, the other teams shouldn't have to stop basically because another team can't compete. But mm. I mean, if you lose two teams off that grid, the it, the it's everything's going to start dwindling because nobody want. If nobody well, no, wants to step in, want, there are people who want to step is, in. They're just not allowed. Is there though? Because they're not feasible. They just have to open the door to less feasible teams, I guess, which is probably yeah. what they don't want to do. Well, it's yeah. it's definitely a more feasible prospect for someone to buy an existing team and take over the running than it is for someone to come in and enter a whole new entity. Yeah, a la Aston Martin. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, like I was kind of with you, Tom. Like uh, I can see both arguments, but. F1 put a mechanism in place for this situation, which is the rule that yeah. if a team doesn't have an engine, the power, power unit, I should say, the power unit manufacturer that currently supplies the least teams is obliged to supply one to them. So there's already a rule in place to make sure Red Bull have something in the back of their car. If they don't want to take that because you know they ruined their relationship with them last time, well, that's on them at that point. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah there, exactly. there is that. Definitely that. I mean, the thing is, I don't disagree with the fact that it it goes toward the vote and that they, they are proposing this and the FIA are letting them put it through the vote process. I don't really have any objection to that, to be honest, because it's, it's a reasonable request to a degree. But if that vote doesn't go their way, they either need to put up or shut up with the when it comes to the Renault will be made to give mm. them an engine. Yeah, situation. absolutely. Because that, like you say, that is the rule. Um, and Renault might not like it, and Red Bull might not like it, but it's the rule. <laughs> That's yeah. how it works. Like if if Renault didn't want to be in that position, should have been supplying more teams with engines so that they weren't the the minority supplier. Mm. So, and yeah. if Red Bull don't want to be in a position, they maybe shouldn't have ruined their relationship with Renault first time round. <laughs> yeah, because the other thing is, if you're a Mercedes or Ferrari, and you've watched the way Red Bull spent years winning championships and never mentioning Renault once, and then as soon as things went wrong, blaming Renault for everything, do you really want to go supplying your engines to a team that operates like that? Yeah, exactly. They've kind of made their own bed with the situation, haven't they? And while I understand why they're asking for this and they're well within their rights to do so, I wouldn't blame the other teams for voting against it at all. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think the part of me that wants it to kind of work is the part of me that would like to see that engine survive to some degree. Like Obviously, it won't be a Honda engine anymore, but to see it survive and, and keep another engine supply on the grid, I think it'd be quite interesting because it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the variants that can make a difference because mm. it's especially when it's in your own hands like mercedes show that and ferrari show how if you get your own engine wrong it can go horribly wrong <laughs> like it's like it, it can make or break a team essentially if you're making your own engine and I, I would genuinely like to see how red bull handle that process because they've always been a customer of some degree to a an engine supplier yeah it'd be an interesting change the years. for them I mean, the only one that they've not had realistically is Mercedes because they even had Ferrari for a very small stint, like a season or two. Yeah, Toro Rosso's first few years. Yeah, and Toro Rosso used the Ferrari as well, yeah. 
So, I mean, even the main Red Bull car had a Ferrari in it, I think, for at least a season. Yeah, I think it possibly did so, didn't it? Like, it's, it would be very interesting to see how they handle doing it for themselves and rebad like taking that engine on and rebadging it as yeah. whatever they see fit, whoever they choose to work with for it, I guess. Yeah, totally. So when when's the next engine formula coming in then? Twenty twenty five. It currently is down as. Okay, but and they and they want to freeze the engines and these engines until then. From they want to, they want to freeze development of them. Yes. Yeah. From the from twenty twenty two. From the big yeah, the first race basically as soon as um, they roll out in Friday practice in the first race of twenty twenty two, they would be locked from that point onwards. Yeah. For the next for three the seasons. three years. Yeah. Hmm. See, I think, I think that is is quite a long time to f- completely freeze an engine, especially um, when we've had the same engines for more than ten years. It would be yeah, eleven would years be. of these power units, one point six liter. I mean, yes, the spec, but we we t- we're talking here about like not furthering the the potential of that. Like, obviously, over the over those years, everyone's made. Improve well, I say everyone's made improvements. Sorry, Ferrari fans. Most people have made improvements. Well, they've made their improvements engine. and then they've uh, they've made <laughs> some legal, some not so legal. Yeah. Then they've re- then they've removed one of those improvements, removed improvements, destroyed everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what what I'm getting at is like those. Although there's a regulation and a, an engine formula, it's obviously been worked on and, and changed. This is like talking about once those engines go out, you can't change anything and i'm sure teams would find a way around it like well this is actually a gearbox modification and we froze the engine like we've yeah, we, well I, say, I keep saying engine i should stop saying engine but we froze the power unit upgrades and this is not the power unit and but, i'm sure they would find ways around it but it just seems a lot of three years is quite a long time and that's the trouble like you mentioned ferrari like what if the power unit freeze is coming at the beginning of this season when Ferrari had obviously made a dog of an engine, it's taken them a long time to develop yeah. out of that. Like, what if someone happens to turn up at the first race of 2022 with a, an engine that's not good enough? Is that just them? That's sorry, tough for three years. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Red Bull wanted to freeze, so you have to write off your next three yeah. seasons. Somehow, yeah. I don't think that would fly. <laughs> no, you you need you would have to have mechanisms in place to it, to me allow though, that I to think... not happen. There's a bigger problem I have with this, and that's like to to just stop the progression of of the technology is at odds with what Formula One is for a lot of people. Like Formula One is is about relentless development and, and yeah. making things better and better and more and more efficient. So to to enchain to change to to put a halt to that entire philosophy because one team basically spoiled their relationship with basically and this is what it is this is what it comes down to is that team spoiled their relationship as we mentioned with Renault so therefore the whole sport has to suffer now for it Mm. that's that's kind of my take I guess Mm. like we we did say a minute ago for the good of the sport but I would say it's at the detriment of the sport that this is happening for reasons there's a middle ground to be found I think that's that's three years seems like a long time to me um and the the only thing that the other thing that's going to happen anyway, if this did go ahead, if this actually got voted in and this went ahead, all that's going to happen is the likes of Ferrari and Mercedes will and Renault as well, to be honest, will be spending those three years 
absolutely pumping millions into whatever the next engine is. Like they've got nothing to focus on except that next engine for three whole years. Yeah, and it, we we all know what happened the last time Mercedes mm, did that. Yeah, <laughs> like look look where we are now. Exactly. Yeah. So we're just going to end up in that scenario again with a with those manufacturers that have got that three years solid to focus on redeveloping a new engine with no other distraction they'll those teams will walk away with stuff again yeah, yeah totally. they make it, a, it feels like they're making a real hash of the 2022 mm. uh, sorry 2025 engine formula for, at this point to me it sounds like they don't really know what they want no it doesn't um yeah i think that's the that's the problem isn't it if they could decide what they wanted what they could actually do is say right well development is frozen but the regulation change is being brought forward because of that so yeah. you can at least work on the next engines wouldn't it be great if they introduced a zero emissions engine formula and ran it alongside I'm, I'm, what we've got now? Wouldn't that well, be great? I've said before, I'm, I'm well up for them trying to use like, uh, you know, the, the alternative fuels and stuff that yeah, they've, yeah. they've proposed. So Yeah, I, I suspect we're going to have some form of turbo hybrid engine for quite a while to come, but synthetic fuels are going to be the the direction they go into kind of make the sport greener it's just really uh, it's at odds with just every part of the automotive industry at the direction of every part of the motor automotive industry at the moment is it's, it's rent they are literally if that happens it will render formula one irrelevant in 10 years time well the thing is that the, the I think the future of sort of road cars is going to be the vast majority of things on the road that people are driving day to day are going to be electric. And then people will own internal combustion engine cars as like your fun thing to drive at the weekend. Kind of toys, yeah. And I think ultimately, like, you know, I'm old enough to remember when there used to be leaded and unleaded petrol yeah. pumps at the petrol yeah. station. And then over a time that the the red pump was gradually phased out and now there's only the green ones left. And I can see the next step of that is going to be you'll have your unleaded pump and your synthetic fuel pump. And over a period of time, the yeah. old technology will gradually be phased out. So mm. I, I think I there think... is still a place in the world for very efficient internal combustion engines that burn synthetic fuel rather than dinosaur juice hmm. but it's not a forever sustainable thing yeah i i think like don't get me wrong like i love my car i love going fast in my car i love the noises my car makes like i love all those things about driving but for formula one to continue well into the future there has to come a point where they're not setting fires to get their cars to go. (laughs) That's what I think. I think it's 2021 now. And not to... Here we go. We're going to get all kinds of like bad... Broken a can of worms again now. Yeah, yeah. But the world is... The fact that the world is still setting fires to... Setting fires to heat up water to spin a turbine to generate electricity in the world is to me, that's crazy when there's so many other ways of yeah. spinning things to generate electricity. <laughs> so the, 
for me, the... well, to just just to let me to to to, yeah, to to make the point. So, Formula One, all those brains in Formula One, to generate at the end of the day, it boils down to they are setting fires to generate forward motion. Very high power fires inside of engines obviously to for the most part to generate forward motion they're already using electricity and batteries to contribute to that motion why not go further in that direction find other you know use other methods of generating electricity to make formula one continue to be the fastest sport in the world well that's that's the technology is there well, that, I, th- I think that's the crux of it because I don't think it quite is yet. I don't think you can build an electric Formula One car right now it's that can do a Grand Prix distance. Because they haven't tried. If, if, you, if you tell Formula if you put in, form, in Formula One a set of regulations that say if you can make a zero emissions vehicle that can go as fast as these, then the rule book is open. You can do whatever you want to a, within, obviously, the bounds of safety. So yeah. as long as it's as safe as a current Formula One car... As long as it's not going to interfere yeah. with a non-zero emissions Formula One car in any way that that would make it dangerous, then within a very short space of time, you would have cars that were going around the track just as efficiently, just as quickly as what the current cars are. I have absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. The only I, reason I it's the- not there is because they haven't tried. I think the thing that interests me more about that than anything, to be honest, is if you're opening the rule book up more as an incentive for that transition, it it sort of brings you back to the era that, as a young fan, I kind of caught the tail end of. But it was the thing that always fascinated me as a kid, looking back at it with like my dad, is all the like sometimes mad innovations that teams came up with to to find that time and find that performance because the rules were so like they weren't so strict as what they are now. Um, like rules are down to the millimeter now. Whereas yeah. before in the past, it was like you could get, you could get wings all over the place yeah. on the car and people experimented with different things and different well, like chassis shapes, shapes, shapes and, and stuff the as fans. Well. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so much stuff like that from say probably like the seventies into the, yeah late 80s maybe even early 90s to a degree that was just like pushing the boundaries of well there's no rule that says we can't stick a giant wing in front of the driver's face so let's do it <laughs> like <laughs> you can see why these things get stopped but the fact that the teams are like well we can see something we can take advantage of here you we've missed that over i think i've said this last time we've missed that over the last like couple of decades realistically in formula one and it'd be nice to see that kind of um I guess it's like technical exploration, isn't it? And it'd be yeah. nice to be able to see that back and the, exactly. those engineers get that extra freedom yeah. back. That's but that is, a, that is a good way. That is a good way to to incentivize it. I think. Yeah, I, I want to see on a Formula One grid like you had in the sixties and seventies, cars of all different shapes and yeah. sizes. With you know, you, you had six wheelers. <laughs> And stuff like, like that races. on the, on the <laughs> literally wacky races, yeah. And kind of like not obviously not to that degree, but where we're at now is if if you're just a, a guy on the street who doesn't really watch Formula One, or if you're a new new person to Formula One, you look at those cars and you don't really see anything different about them other than the paint job. 
that's yeah. the only thing you can tell is any different about a Formula One car. So what is the point in them spending all these millions of development just to for the good of making all the cars look exactly the same if that's your if that's if that's kind of the goal? The the yeah. goal should be a diverse field of in my opinion, the goal should be a diverse field of of different vehicles that all use novel varied novel solutions to win races you know and the reason that the other reason that you've got such mercedes dominance and and you know you've got one team nailing it every year is because no one can develop their car you know everyone develops to a point and they're all converging on the same point and there's not enough variation there's not enough options for designers to come up with different solutions to problems in order to compete with the ones who've put the most money into solving that problem Yep. So opening up the rule book and allowing zero emission vehicles to compete with traditional Formula One cars, traditional in inverted commas, um, to me would make this sport so much more interesting and would open it to so much more of the audience. And you might have cars that, you know, we're going so much faster than the the traditional F1 car that they have to pit but they have to pit a few more times and then catch up. And you just get such yeah. diverse racing and interesting things going on on track and it'd bring all the strategy back. There'd be all kinds of different aspects to it that would be much more interesting than just watch, watching 20 of the same car go around the track is what it is now. Well, it's... Yeah, like it needs proof of concept, doesn't it? Like you look at what happened in... Um... In Rallycross, they they sort of built like an electric support series for World Rallycross, but someone decided to take one of those cars to a sort of national um, Rallycross event somewhere in Europe, and they turned up and like traded fastest times with the fastest of the traditional Rallycross cars, and I think the like someone has now been the first person to win a open Rallycross event in an electric vehicle. And that was because they went to an event that had open enough regulations. They could just turn up with this different car and do it. Yeah. Like you're right. You need a certain amount of openness for people to try new things. Cause the, the way F1 rules currently work, no one's going to try anything different. Well, no one can try anything different until they're told to effectively. Yeah. All the yeah. doors are, to that are, are completely closed. Really, every and and the problem there's a culture problem as well. Every time someone does try something different, they shut it down. Everyone kicks off and they say, "Oh no, yeah. you can't do that." <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going faster. Oh no, we can't have that. You know, it's just silly. And yeah. and part of and, and if you want, you know, if you want to go even further into it, the reason that happens is because the teams have got way too much control over the rule book. Yep. Yep. It's not another sport I mean, in the world where chin to the choir, <laughs> where the competitors dictate the rules. Yeah, I mean we've, I think we've talked about this before, but we have. Yeah, the, the, no, no. I mean the specific thing I'm just going to mention. Oh, but, sorry. Um, I, like the thing that might help with that or might work with that is allowing some sort of garage fifty six style entry, mm-hmm. where <laughs> there's a team that's kind of run independent. So. I guess not everyone's going to know what I mean by that, but in Le Mans, the the traditional name for like a, um, or the traditional reference to like a out of the norm vehicle, vehicle yeah, or like new a new technology. technology test or, or whatever it might be, 
um, like that doesn't meet the current regulations for say LMP one or, or whatever it might be LMP two, is ten, tends to be known as garage fifty six because of the position it takes on or it used to take on the uh, on the garages. But an entry like that might be what allows that technology to kind of creep its way in because a team running cars there that's even if they don't like pick up I mean I'm not uh, they could pick up championship points I was gonna say even if they didn't but they should be able to to be fair. But they could if they're in the they, race there'll be things that there'll be things that the F one team start seeing on that potentially and think oh, hang on maybe we need to be dipping into this this side of things because that's the innovation mm. that we need to to move on to the next level. Maybe I'm not sure about that. I don't think Formula One's the place for a garage fifty six. I think the, the 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 level the bar is set so high. But but that surely wouldn't that be easier than a, a support series because that's just a single team. Well, I'm not saying support. I'm not saying support series. I'm saying. I, I don't think you can just turn the series on its head like that overnight, though. Like what Chris is saying, you, you need you need something like like the the WRX thing is a good example, I think, where you've had some electric car testing, you've then had like pure electric car events, and then had regulations open enough that electric cars can compete against the the traditional combustion engine, and you've got to a point where that it's kind of been gradually introduced over time and now they're looking at a point where is it 2023 that they're looking at the whole of the VRX will be um yeah i think so fully electric and yeah. and that's obviously happened over the last f- 4 years ish yeah. i want to say there's there's kind of like this is that's a very different series isn't it because they only do like four laps so oh yeah i mean it's it's a very means. different scenario but i think that's You'd still have to you'd have to approach it slightly differently. I think I don't I don't think you could just say, like, to the teams, if you use this zero emission technology, you can do what you want quite as quickly as I'd like us to, but to to run a team and form a team, and and start entering that team, and then basically it it, it puts the technology in the window of the other F one teams and and outside yeah. sources to basically say if you want to enter a car like this. You are eligible to under these yeah. slightly well, altered rules, is what this, I'm getting at. I guess. Well, I think that's that's my 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 whole point is that you run this car sort of alongside a traditional Formula One car because yeah. you well, might not get you probably maybe you won't get you know a crazy amount of interest straight away, but somebody from you know something like Porsche are going to come along and say, actually, you know, I reckon we can build a Formula One car that. That that's zero emissions that can take some of these guys on under yeah. our own specs. Like, I mean, they've already made the, what was the portion that Le Mans car, the Le Mans car that they did. That once they left the series, they modified that, and that was breaking. Oh yeah, the, the every yeah. record record on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that yeah, it wasn't all electric. That was hybrid. But yeah, still like. You know, they had the motive. That wasn't even a series they were entering. They just wanted to go out and kill every lap time. <laughs> yeah. So I think eventually you would get someone would come along. You might have a, a season or two where, you know, a team might still be developing their vehicle to with a view to eventually entering into thing. But it would be such an amazing advert for any car manufacturer that could 
bring in a car that was zero emissions and take on the big boys in F1 that mm. you you would have a real race on your hands for people to be the first zero emissions Formula One car to win a Formula One race. I've got no doubt in my mind about that. Well, this is one of the many reasons why I think that there should be one or two non-championship F1 events every year. But that is a whole other thing that we should probably <laughs> not get into right now because that'd be a perfect opportunity for it. But... There we go. Yeah. Well, I thought anyway, we'd go off on some tangents this week. I didn't think it would be off the very first thing we talked about, but yeah, but there we go. Sorry. I mean, as soon gym. as you mention engines, Chris, you should know. I know, that's, right. That's I the one. There should be a doing. hazard sign next to <laughs> that, that piece because we're always going to go off and talk about electric <laughs> engines. So sorry, sorry, everyone. Sorry we've upset you by talking about electric. Please don't <laughs> hate us. Let's move on. I mean, you should be more sorry about the fact that you've disrupted the Jensen Button Corner because that's yeah, where right. we're supposed no, to J- go Jensen in. Button Corner? <laughs> The whole f- house. Sorry, I just swore. <laughs> <laughs> we have two pieces of Jensen Button news this week, which means it's a good week in our eyes. The the first one being that he is going back to Williams 21 years after he made his F1 debut with the team. He's returning as a senior advisor. That essentially means they said he's going to be aiding development of their race drivers as well as media and marketing duties with the team. Hmm, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting one, isn't it? With, I, with him staying with Sky, do you think he'll like interview himself occasionally? Yeah, yeah, because he's not like, like Eddie is Sky. Sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I, I wonder what the balance between uh, driver development and media and marketing stuff is going to be. <laughs> is, is senior advisor just a nice way of saying we're going to use him to uh, get some new sponsors and sell some things? I hope that's yeah, not that, the case. Well, he's. I mean, he's a world champion. He's a. He knows how to win a race. He knows how to develop a car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he, he would have been helping with where well, he would have been helping guide development of the brawn that he was. Oh, for sure, part of. So he'll probably be doing a bit of test driving for him, I guess, if he's a senior advisor. Uh, that would be cool, actually, wouldn't it? If he. Uh... A test session sometime. Turns up with yeah, a young yeah. driver's test. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not <laughs> in the. Well, yeah, I was going to say maybe not. It'd probably be simulator driving more. Yeah, than test probably simulator. I doubt we'll see him in an actual car, but yeah, simulator. Yeah. You never know though. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's, good. it's another another good signing that Williams have made, which there's been quite a few of recently, hasn't there? Mm. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Again, hopefully, more signs of the new people in charge doing the right things. Uh, and then the second bit of Jensen Button news is that he's become the third F1 champion to enter a team in the Extreme E series uh, after Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. But unlike those two, he's also actually going to be one of the drivers for his team. Um, so if you don't know, Extreme E is a new electric off-road racing series. Uh, it's the sort of brainchild of Alejandro Gag, who is the uh, one of the founders of Formula E. And they are spec electric sort of massively wide SUV type things. Um, they've got 540 horsepower and they can do 0 to 60 in something like four and a half seconds. They're monsters of things. There's a, there's a video online of um, Ken Block test driving one of them and they're absolutely mental. Like they're enormous, but the speed they just fly around off-road is incredible. Yeah. It's kind of like a... An almost electric equivalent to things like Dakar, isn't it? It's, kind of, yeah. It's it's similar, not the same thing, but it's a similar sort of 
like series almost, from what I, I gather so almost far. like buggies aren't they like you know, yeah looks that yeah they're super cool um we don't know who his teammate's gonna be yet um that the series he's doing like it's been described as mixed doubles basically every team is one man and one woman uh and they kind of share driving and co-driving duties it seems which is quite cool um and the kind of whole point in the series is it's very kind of climate aware and it's sort of they're using it as a a platform to kind of uh, advance climate awareness and to sort of help out in the locations that they are going to so they're going to be racing in places like greenland and the amazon and uh, i think like the the deserts of saudi arabia and stuff like that um it's interesting why they're doing it as well these the first race is supposed to be the first week of april but they're not going to be broadcasting the races live they're going to be sort of filming them and then they're going to be kind of presented almost like documentary style rather than just showing a race live which i think is an interesting way of approaching it i think that I mean, potentially makes that... it more of a more of an interesting prospect to perhaps non-motorsport people yeah i mean, I mean have that you ever kind of reminds me of <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me of like stuff like some of the old when you used to, i mean you never used to be able to get the world rally championship live at a time yeah and i remember that like i'd I'd wake up at the uh, the weekend sunday morning like before f1 i mean my dad would sit and watch the world rally highlights and that'd be the same sort of thing it'd be like oh and as we come over these rolling hills into the (laughs) yeah like it it was just like this big it was more of a story than it was a race and but it it obviously jumped around a little bit because of the way that rally works and i so i think that'll kind of suit that sort of series yeah Yeah. i mean you you can't what was that? Like Ski Sunday. Yeah, yeah, kind of is. But I mean, you physically can't have a camera like on every yeah. part of a. Uh, yeah. I want to say circuit, but they're not really circuits, but you know what I mean. Route. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, the other cool thing is, again, being very um, climate focused, the the series has this massive old. Um, I think it was used by the Royal Mail at one point as like a, a cargo <laughs> oh, vessel. Boat. And they're using that as like a floating paddock, so they will just like ship around the world um, from location to get location, which See, is that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's rad. And then all the all the drivers are just going to fly, obviously on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be like taking a week long boat to go to a. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Private should, jets. You should, you should work Ten out private how jets many <laughs> to Greenland, please. <laughs> you, you should work out how many F one circuits because there's quite a lot by waterfronts that you could actually do that at f1 with yeah but actually because there's quite a lot f1 like, likes waterfront especially the modern circuits yeah. yeah it also likes a back-to-back race yeah <laughs> which might not be feasible <laughs> i mean you, you could sail from canada to somewhere in america if you wanted to <laughs> oh, God, imagine that. the stress goodness yeah i don't think that's um um, but yeah, <laughs> something to keep on. Um, that idea. Well, Tom, sorry, mate. It's a burst your bubble on that one. Uh, and cool, he's going to be driving them as well. Like, he seems really into his off-road racing. Like he's done yeah. like the, um, I think he entered like the the Baja off-road thing at one point. So I think he might have done like a, a bit of Dakar as well. <clears throat> oh, and obviously his team's livery is in um, white and neon yellow brawn colors. So he instantly is the best looking car on the series as well. <laughs> Because just the every car of looks the good bra- in that. Braun yeah. GP livery, just, 
It's, it's so good. <laughs> what you else is going livery, on? So I do love that livery. livery. It's only the. It is. It's, so, it's, it's, the, so it's, it's what it represents, isn't it? Actually, visually, yeah. I don't think it's that exciting. I think it's, it's actually. I think they're really clashy colours, but what it represents is very special. And see, I, for that I reason, I love, love it as sim- well. Yeah, and I just love the simplicity of it as well. It's just so. It's essentially we can't afford to paint an interesting livery, so let's just yeah. have a white car with well, we'll stick a couple of stripes on it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what it was. Though. We've, livery, we've, yeah. we've got no title sponsor. We've got like it, it, the whole thing of it being white was this is your space. Come put come spend some money to put your thing on it. That's that was the whole point, wasn't it? That's why they yeah. did it like they did. Come with a HRT so, that said your logo here on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh no, oh, don't. Matters about Trotter's independent trading. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys a picture of Jensen's Extreme E car though and tell me that's not an awesome looking thing. Is this yeah, this is it. Okay, let's see. Oh <laughs> see? Damn wow, that is that's lit. Love it. As the kids Although, say. That I do like Lewis that's Hamilton. really cool. Yeah, I do like Lewis Hamilton's one as well, actually. Have you seen that? No, that's, the, that's purple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like a really tell. I'll send you that as well. This is, at this point, I'm just showing you photos on a podcast. This is not okay. Great so yeah, to explain what we're looking at, <laughs> let's explain what we're looking at. So um, it's kind oh, of like go. the front of it is really sort of uh, the shape of the car. The front of it's really sort of actually it's got a really sick scoop across the the roof line, and um, it's really nicely contoured. It's almost like it's been smoothed out kind of thing. like a, like a land rover that they smoothed out loads and made into a it, you know it looks like a mclaren on long legs on, it kind on of does, doesn't massive it? suspension yeah and then the it's got big massive off-road wheels and deliveries then is sort of it's i guess like the the yellow sort of scoops up along the bottom of the sill and then up over the rear wheel arch okay. um with a black alongside it and then the white is sort of the base color underneath all of that it looks really cool can you remember the the Colin McRae car, the car that actually well, the, had his name against it? I do. I not. remember the the blue Impreza that had the um, no. So ba- basically, he he he. I don't know who he did it with, but he developed his own concept car for rallying, and it's basically that, but on steroids. If anyone, so if anyone knows what I'm talking about, oh, has yeah, ever yeah. seen that? It was in one of the old Dirt games, uh, like one of the like last couple of Dirt games. Um, yeah, yeah. If you've ever, if you've ever seen that, it's, or it's like the Landrush cars that you get on games like Forza Horizon yeah. and um, and stuff like that. It's I can't think what the name of them is. There is there's a specific name for them, but it's basically one of those. Oh, so if you've no. ever played any of those games, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That, so I've just I've just looked up that Colin McRae car. It's called the McRae R4. Do you know what the base was car was that they built it from? Metro. Oh, uh, no, uh, wasn't it a Citroen. Fiesta? Fiesta, you, wasn't it? Ford it was KA. Ford, it was a Ford KA. Yes! Uh, Ford KA, yeah, <laughs> that absolute stunner of a car. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's a... Um, I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> just just going to say... What else anyway. is going on? We've got a launch date. We've got our first launch date. The Alfa Romeo is uh, the C forty one is going to launch in Warsaw on the twenty second of February, which is early for them. They tend to be a uh, launch in the pit lane at testing team, but it's actually a couple of weeks before testing is supposed to start. Um, 
it's obviously been launched in Warsaw because they still have lots of Polish sponsors because um, Robert Kubitz is still connected to the team. Um, interestingly, last year's car was the C39. This year's car is the C41. And then next year's car is going to be the C40 because of the... Uh, the new regulations being pushed back a year. They just like, because they'd already started designing the C40 for the new Ooh, regulations. They've just cool. shoved the whole thing, including the name 40 years. They're actually going like two steps forward, one step back in terms of the name. That's literally, know, yeah. That's kind that's, of cool. That's, I like I, it. I, yeah, I've got a lot of time for a fact like that. That entertains yeah, me very much. I like that. Um, yes, yeah, so we've only got three days of testing this year. We think it's going to be in Bahrain and we think it's going to be starting on March 12th, but it's all still quite up in the air. Uh, Williams have announced that Roy Nisani is going to be driving one of their test days, which means their race drivers are only getting one day of testing each ahead of the season, which seems unwise Ooh. when testing's being cut. So, wow. so sure. Two steps forward, <laughs> one step back for Williams as well. Yeah, <laughs> sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? Uh, Ferrari have already been testing. They've been running a 2018 car at uh, Fiorina this week. Uh, Signs drove it for the first time, as I'm sure you've seen all over social media. Uh, they actually had six other people driving the car this week. Um, the Ferrari Driver Academy guys, uh, Giano Lacey, Marcus Armstrong, Robert Schwartzman all had a go. Leclerc had a day in the car, I guess, for a bit of warm-up. Uh, then Callum Islet is driving uh on Friday as part of his new uh, test driver role, which is cool for him. Um, Question. Yes. Will we ever find a way to get the times from that? Because that would be such interesting reading. Uh, it's no one, normally, it's one of these things where all they ever do is say, oh, they did this many laps. But traditionally in the past, some kind of times tend to have leaked out. So yeah, maybe next week we will find out something. I hope so. I, I hope so them. too. Um, sadly for Lacey, he's since confirmed that that was a farewell drive for him because he's leaving the Ferrari Young Driver program and he won't be in F2 this season. So that's a shame. Bittersweet for him. Uh, I mean, he's not at the best time in F2, unfortunately. Um, we'll see where he turns up, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of F2 and feeder series, uh, Mercedes have signed uh, Frederick Vesti to their Young Driver program. Uh, he 19 year old he finished fourth in f3 last year for pre-may won three races um and he's switching to art but staying in formula three this year he's he's pretty highly rated as a young driver um and mercedes mm. don't tend to go for the sort of red bull and in recent years ferrari approach of like we'll sign up 10 young drivers and then slowly yeah. whittle them down they tend to be quite discerning about who mercedes sign up don't they for their young driver program yeah. so yeah that's I mean, look how long it's taken. Well, look how long it took to get Bottas to the Mercedes seat in the first place. Exactly. And yeah. look at the process that George Russell's been through as well. Like that—that's essentially their future planning. Of by the time George is maybe looking at that Mercedes seat, he's looking at something like a Williams seat or some, you know, in comparison to because I mean, two years down the line under a Mercedes program, you'd expect him to be challenging for F2. I'd expect yeah. him to make a good challenge for F3, if not win F3. If yeah, he's definitely. going to prove his worth and then potentially do the same in F2 the follow-up season. So that's your usual trajectory in those scenarios. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, worth keeping an eye on him. 
the top two in F3 last year are both stepping up to F2. Um, Runner-up Theo Pocher is joining ART. He did the last four races of last season as well for HWA. Um, So he's at least got a bit of time under his belt. And then the champion, Oscar Piastri, is replacing Mick Schumacher at Prima alongside Robert Schwartzman, who's staying put. Um, and then another little interesting tidbit I noticed. Uh, so HWA are promoting up their two F3 drivers from last year to F2. But um, one of them, uh, Matteo Nanini, is still going to be their F3 driver as well because F2 and F3 are running on completely different weekends this season. So he's going to be doing at least 45 races this year across a full Ooh. season of F2 and F3. Wow. I mean, that'll be impressive. Yeah. That'll be impressive. Oh, man. Imagine if you could win both titles in one year. That would be a stat that would never be beaten. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, this will happen once, and then they're gonna they're not going to allow them to do this in the future. That's, I, that seems at odds with the whole idea of splitting them up, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it, true. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's a, it's a weird choice, that. Yeah, a bit naughty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, outside of single seatery stuff we've got a bunch of cancelled races again the wc opener at the sebring has been uh cancelled they're now not starting until april but they are racing at portimao which is always exciting yeah uh indycar as well i've had to cancel around or two but the daytona 24 hour is actually going ahead this coming weekend um and of, and of particular note uh kevin magnuson will be doing his first race in the series uh they did a qualifying race last weekend and he was actually leading the race at one point but the team basically i think decided to leave him out on slicks while everybody else put rain tires on and as a result he finished last in class um <sighs> but he he was well on the pace i think he's he's definitely going to be with the share of a really good result at his uh first race and what a first race in a series as well yeah so basically he got he got let down by a team decision there's maybe their way of making him feel at home yeah yeah totally f1 recently yeah. <laughs> probably um but yeah, worth like it's always a decent race, the Daytona 24, so worth keeping an eye on this weekend. Uh, there's also a virtual Grand Prix this weekend. They're bringing that back. Uh, the first race is this Sunday, the 31st. Russell Latifi are driving in. It's Alex Albon who's driving for Red Bull. Um, Haas have got both the Fittipaldis, Pietro and Enzo. Uh, cool. Stoffel van Dorn is driving for Mercedes. And Alpha Terry are bringing back Tonio oh. Liuzzi as one of their drivers. Remember yes. him? Yes! <laughs> wow yeah and then because they can't all be race drivers um belgian national team goalkeeper thibaut courtois is also going to be there because you know he did um i love it he when did the, sports the series last he, he actually was around, pretty he? decent he was well. decent because yeah. he was doing the stuff alongside like leclerc and people wasn't yeah. he uh the last time around when he's, it was a bit more they organised that themselves because that was a. He was involved quite heavily in the one that Lando and Charles and everyone and George Russell did for charity. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know if you remember he, seeing that one, he just like raced on Twitch and stuff with them loads. It was yeah, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, he was actually really decent. Um, they've massively overcomplicated the format this year because you know Formal why one. why not fix something that's not broken? Um, they're going to be doing five lap sprint races with the team's official esports drivers to decide the grid for the 
um, like F1 and celebrity drivers. Oh, How's that fair? It doesn't make a jot so, of sense, basically. So, so basically, what's happened here is something fun and interactive happened between the drivers themselves all over the internet last season because they didn't have a race to do. And they were like, you know what, lads, let's race together online. Let's do this. Get everyone involved. It's fun. And then F1 have gone. Hello, we can see an opportunity here. Let's stick our nose in and put silly rules on it so it ruins it all. Yeah, Let, let's take something that's really good and make it crap. <laughs> I think <laughs> the, the that's other, what they're going to do. The other thing is, last year they a lot of rounds they would do uh, a race with all the esports guys, followed by a race with the real guys and the celebrities and stuff, and they'd both be equal length races, and everybody watched the ones with the people they'd heard of, and nobody watched the esports ones. So this year they're like, oh, we'll still have you along, but you can do, let's call it five yeah. laps. Five's plenty for you guys that uh, most people haven't heard of, which is not yeah. to disparage the esports guys at all, but uh, your average viewer probably doesn't care much. Yeah, but if you never let them run well, the exactly, people, yeah. then no one's ever going to know who they are, are they? So I guess just... that's the thing. They're hoping that people will watch these five lappers and then they'll go and maybe watch the actual esports series. Why I mean, just have them all racing? Why don't you just have them all yeah. racing together? Correct, correct, Stu. If you want, if there's too many to do a single race and you need to do two races, then why not have two mixed grids? That's yeah. half and half. Well, they and, made and that... then you can see that you can see the whole thing of these esports guys in their environment versus the professionals in a in a slightly alien environment because they're used to the real car and the the um, I th- virtual rigs. I things. think they also Testing tried rigs. that this year, and the esports guys absolutely destroyed the real drivers, and it was a <laughs> exactly. bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's it. It's like. <laughs> And that's what I wanted to see. That is that is why I tune into that thing. Exactly. You've nailed it. That's a selling point for me right there. And then maybe how long is it before the esports drivers all want to drive a real Formula One car? And, vi- <laughs> and vice versa, where yeah, all the Formula yeah, One yeah, guys are just around. like, you know what, I'm just going to go to esports. Yeah. Yeah. All the throw the toys out of the pram and just don't come back the following week. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper if you crash in a simulator than it is in a real life just, Formula just One car. Just a smidge. And then, oh, final bit of good news, uh, Ross Braun has confirmed he is staying in his role as the head of F1 Sporting Division, which he's been in Yay. for four years Ooh. now and he's sticking around, which I don't think anyone's going to have an issue with that because he is, he's been very, very good at that job. I think it's just, just a top bloke. He's just, he's just a top he, bloke. He just seems like a, a great bloke. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that just about catches us up with well done, Chris. what is going on. Well done. I know we we know how tired Congrats. you are, and you, you handled that very well, my friend. You oh, and I've just seen the McLaren have apparently fired up their Mercedes engine for the first time and put a video on Twitter because it's the law that if you're an F1 team, you have to put a video of your first fire up on Their Twitter. Engine firing up. Shall we have a quick look at that? I mean, it's going to sound like a an F1 car firing up, isn't it? I imagine. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it sound just like a Mercedes. And so what what do we expect? But we'll watch it anyway. <laughs> really? Yep, that sure is. Okay, that's oh, definitely muted. a Mercedes. <laughs> so you defeated the whole point there. Sounds like a drill. Oh wait, there I, it I'll is. I'll tell you <laughs> I'll tell you what, while you're doing that, I'll give someone listening something to actually listen to. Keep me saying now. Stay stay out. Hey man. Hey man. We'll do some inbox. Um, we've had a few uh, built up over the last couple of weeks since we last did an episode. Um, Molly says, uh, who do you think will be most successful in their new team this year 
Alonso or Vettel. And um, another question from Lou was a very similar one saying, huge Alonso fan, but what are the odds that the team, uh, that team Endstone of today actually has what it takes to wrangle his kind of personality? They've been almost reduced to background noise for quite a while now. And I wonder if it will be too much for them. Uh, love the show. Oh, thanks, Lou. Yeah, Alonso at that team is going to be... It's going to be something. Uh, like We know Alonso is not a man who will you know, play the, the team game and say the right things. Like He, he tends to speak his mind. Um, and as much as Renault made some decent steps last season, they're still not where they really should be at this point in time, are they? Hmm. I mean, yeah, they should have done it's better. a simple answer to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we already know he's told them basically just to sack off next year and concentrate on the new rules anyway, so. Yeah, yeah next year's just a warm-up, isn't it? He'll um, probably be pretty chill next year, to be honest. They'll probably just, I mean, it'll be, start of the season, he'll be everywhere. And then as the season yeah. goes on, it's kind of going to, and they, and they realise, unless unless the car's got the goods, which based on last season, I'm not sure it will, um, then he's probably just going to sort of, you know, slowly decline into quietness, and then, then the start of the next season, it'll be, you know, it'll be time for the serious show. I think. Yeah, I think there is potential though where those two teams are that Alonso and Vettel might find themselves uh, close together on the track a handful of times, which will be fun. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting point. Uh... I mean, in in terms of the the. First part from Molly with the Alonso or Vettel, who's going to do better? I would expect it to be Vettel because that's just a team that's going to grow from the the decent season they had last year. It was I mean, we expected a little bit more of them, but that could just be the fact that they're in the position that they are, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a nosebleed in that high <laughs> up in the standing sometimes. Um, <laughs> But I think that with with the people that are starting to bring in and someone like Seb coming in and, and stuff like that, I think that there's definitely more... I think there's more to build on there than there actually is at Renault at the moment. Yeah, I Especially mean... Especially if you buy last year's Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence Stroll isn't there to mess around, is he? Like Exactly. He, exactly. he doesn't do anything unless he thinks he's going to be very I, successful in it. I mean, we, we've... There's lots of jokes about like the fact that why he bought the team and and all that kind of stuff. But I will put this out there: he he strikes me very similar in a lot of regards to Zach Brown, in the sense that yes, he's got a budget, but he also knows how to spend it, and he what he 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 wants results. Like, and if there's something that he knows will or he feels will get him the results, he will go out of his way to make that happen. And, and put himself on the line to make that happen, which I, th- I feel like Zach Brown's like that with like the changes he's made within McLaren. I can kind of feel Lawrence Stroll doing that a little bit with um, yeah. Aston Martin as it is now. And I think they're like going and clutching a Sebastian Vettel type figure and stick him in the car is is definitely one of those kind of moves. It's a little bit like Zach, obviously, having Alonso in the car, isn't it? It's a similar sort of It's a statement of intent, vibe. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm expecting big things from that team over the coming years. Yeah. 
Um, Andy says, what do you think Ferrari's plan for Sainz's position in the team will be? Do you think he is there simply to be easily replaced <laughs> once they believe Mick Schumacher um, to be ready and worth of a Ferrari seat? Hmm. <laughs> I think what Ferrari's plan for signs is and what signs plan for signs is are probably two <laughs> very different things. Yeah, probably. If they think he's going to turn up and be a nice number two driver to their um, special boy, Charles, I think <laughs> then they are going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening because signs doesn't strike me as the sort of person who's just going to roll over and do what he's told of that team. Yeah. Like, like, let's yeah, face it, him moving to Ferrari kind of came out of nowhere. Like, when he signed that contract, he probably could not believe his luck the way that played out. And he is mm. going to, like, take everything he can from that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Tom, anything uh, to add there? Yeah, no, it's exactly the same. He's he's there to he's there to make his name now, isn't he? Like, I'm, I mean, we all know him. We've all got a lot of respect for him as a driver and his skill as a driver, but mm. he's there to rock that boat a little bit, I think, and, and yeah. really say, look, I am as good as these guys that you all keep saying are the next generation. I'm I'm in this bracket, mm. like, and I, I'm here to win championships. Which is precisely why he'll be gone as soon as... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, history shows that that dynamic um, at Ferrari does not yeah. play out well. Uh, unless, well say, unless he's beaten, um, yeah, he has to really he, comprehensively beat the special boy yeah. before um, <laughs> before they make that decision. But if he does beat him, then Leclerc could be the one looking for a seat. You know? Ferrari, Ferrari go all Red Bull about it and demote Leclerc to Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Oh, go back over there. <laughs> no, he'll he'll be ready to uh, go to Aston Martin for when uh, Seb retires. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right, Next one, question from Aaron Downey. He says, do you see anyone other than Red Bull and Mercedes winning a race? Yeah, I think Ferrari could win a race next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if if Ferrari have what they're talking up, then yeah, definitely. I think Aston Martin will win a race this year as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Might yeah. I, think, I think we could see four one? teams winning it. But, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, that one was nice. <laughs> yeah. Simple. Uh, Garrett says, if you had the ability to create a new entry for 2022... What would your team's livery colours be? And who would your engine and driver choices be? Title sponsors, the whole works. Feel free to collaborate as a group or just do it individually. Oh. I mean, I can I can already tell the answer to most of those things because I've done <laughs> it on the current F1 game. <laughs> Chris is just going to make Braun GP. <laughs> Put Jensen in the car. <laughs> Actually, my car on the F1 game is... Um, Sort of white, black, and purple. Yeah. Is it the Evans I mean... Towery? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I... tried to use close as I could to back of the grid purple. Yeah, I've, I've used the sort of deep purple that we use for the logos and stuff occasionally, but lately I've been using like really in your face aggressive colors, like really like bright cyan, <laughs> just like proper stand out in your face kind of colors. Um, so I'm just going to have that with some pink stripes. 
That's thing. As yeah. long as it's not black or grey or silver like most of the gridies well, these days, then you're on to a winner. Yeah. I mean, I say pink. What I actually mean is like magenta. Basically, my car would look like it stepped out of 1980s Miami. Nice. And I'd have like sort of the geometric triangles and stuff, and maybe a palm tree on the side. <laughs> it looked it, and the sunset over the engine box. It looked like a 1980s synthwave album cover. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. I Stu's think... going to say something really like classy and designy now, isn't he? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> I think it'd be it'd, it'd be quite minimalist. Mine, uh, mm-hmm. it'd, it'd be black and blue. Would be because every sports car I've ever owned has been blue. Nice. Um, I fell in love with my Mark One MX Five years what ten twelve years ago, and that was Mariner Blue. That car, it was one of the which is really hard to come by these days. Um, and my current car is is a similar color blue. It's electric blue, GT86. And it's a very nice blue, that. It is that. a really nice blue, and I'd love to yeah. see that color in a Formula 1 car. In fact, the Alpine next year is probably going to be a similar color blue. Uh, I, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, black wheels, um, because black, and I'd have like a strip of black going up the back of it, sort of from the floor up to the rear wing, a- above the top of the rear wheel. Um and yeah, that basically maybe a t- maybe a hint of like just one really thin strip of white somewhere on there, but nothing crazy. Um, and a bit of probably a bit. I'd have like black underneath and like halfway up the the nose cone as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the livery. I'd I can get down with that. Okay, so we've, we've done liveries. Any sponsors that you want? <laughs> Make not them up now. But I'm gonna go Hesca F1 oh. style and just not oh. have any sponsors. None of that muck. Oh so God. you can have one amazing season and or, then just fall into ruin. Or maybe if I if I had to go with if I had to have sponsors, I'd have gloss finish paint across the car, <laughs> except for the, where the sponsor logos were, and they'd be matte finish, a bit like the Ken Block. So you don't care who um, they are as long style. as they look good. <laughs> yeah, just as yeah. long as they're matte finish, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd just take whatever sponsors give me enough money to sign the drivers I want. Which are. <laughs> I think my drivers would be Ricardo and Russell. Ooh. See, I'd have a young guns team right now, and I'd have Lando Norris and George Russell. That'd be that's I'd, a good that'd team. be my young gun mm. team. I, I mean, it could all fall into ruin, but I think I'd I think I'd be alright with that. Well, assuming money's no object on this, obviously, because um, I'm Hesketh F1 team and I'm funded by a rich, <laughs> rich billionaire from from the countryside. I'd um, I'd have Hamilton and Russell as mine because I'd love to see the two head to head. So basically, you've just made the Mercedes team for next season. <laughs> yeah, I said it <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, even even the black livery. Well, I mean, you went with a blue trim, but well, mostly I mean, that, blue, that mint green blue trim with black trim. I oh, was it? Say. Sorry, was it the way around? I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, and black wheels, very important. Black wheels, red Brembos. <laughs> to to add to add to this, I guess. Just because it's not in the question, but why not? Since I were talking about it, you've got to put someone in charge to run the team for you day to day. So, team me. principal, me. you're going to be your own team principal. Yeah, do what I want. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I mean, this sounds exactly a lot like Hesker. Then I think he's going to end up a lot like Hesketh as well. Ninety <laughs> percent of our audience haven't got a clue what we're talking about when we just say watch. Hesketh. Just yeah, watch Rush. Rush. Yeah. yeah, watch Rush. Watch Rush if you don't know what Hesketh is. <laughs> oh, we're popping I mean, champagne Chris, in the pit lane 
Um, <laughs> I think I'd probably convince uh, Ross Braun to come back to Ooh, team management. Ooh, mighty. I'd, I'd go with John Todd. Who's designing Ooh. your car? Oh, Newey. Yeah, Newey, every time. Yeah, Newey, every that's time. That's an easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Cool. Driver's not I think we nailed that. But Love it. Let's make it happen. That that is, that's good content. That is good Just send content. your money this way and we'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe. Where you at? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's my turn. Um, Katie says, if, in capital letters, if Perez can get on top of that difficult to handle Red Bull, how much of a threat is he to Max? I can see him leading the inter-team battle at least once during the season. Well, Katie, my, I, I made precisely that prediction a um, couple of episodes ago. So you could all go back and listen to that. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's going to give us up and certainly more of a headache than these last couple of teammates. He's, he's, I mean, we know, we, know, we know what Perez is capable of. We know he's no slouch. Yeah. Um, I think he will finally put to bed the the argument of is it the car or is it the the teammates he's had yeah, uh, from a, from a comparison to Max's point of view like there's no doubt in that Max is an incredibly quick driver but I think the Perez thing will now put to bed that it is just that the car really suits Max and not many other people or the other drivers just were that much slower than Max, and he he just is that quick. Like he's he's going to solve that dilemma, I think, once and for all, isn't it? Yeah. So, and yeah, like we 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 sort of had mixed feelings about the whole album losing his seat, Perez getting anything, and in in a way, I still do. But seeing those pictures recently of Perez at the Red Bull factory for the first time in his Red Bull gear, um, you can't help mm. but feel happy for the guy, like. He's he's deserved a shot at a top seat for a long time. I mean, now, and it's, it's really good that it's happening. Technically, he did get one once, and it backfired on him. Well, he, it should have been. Well, yeah, he should have been. But I'm referring to the fact that Perez was once at McLaren, by the way, for those who yeah. are maybe newer to the sport. But it, um, it was not. Uh, it was not to be. Not McLaren's best uh, year. I mean. If, it was around the same time that they had Kevin Magnussen in the car for a season. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that, that does discredit to Kevin Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen is not necessarily that bad of a driver. He I was think that, really good that season. Yeah, and I think it's more that he's been very unlucky with some of the cars he's had and maybe sports car racing suits him better. Yeah, I think so. I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, last question from Ollie Smith. Hypothetical one, if Hamilton does only one more season and Bottas doesn't improve this season, what do you think the chances are of a Verstappen move to Mercedes? Oh, wow. It'd take um, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we are all of the opinion that this is probably going to be Bottas's last team, uh, last season at the team, and Russell is has a very, very good shot of taking that seat for the following season. Yeah. So at that point, you're kind of just waiting on Hamilton to retire. And to be honest, at the point Hamilton does retire, if there's even a chance of Verstappen being on the market, Mercedes have got to be looking at him shortly. Yes and no. I think, I don't know how well A, Verstappen's driving style, but also B, Verstappen... Personality-wise, yeah. fits within the Mercedes like 
brand, I guess, like the the image that they like to perceive as them as a as a company as well as an F one team and stuff like that. I don't know if they'd be as I mean, and like to say he gets away with things at Red Bull, I think is would be putting it the wrong way. I think that Max's personality suits Red Bull as a team. Like they've both got that. Is boisterous the right word? I don't know. Like that, it's just very vocal, very like loud, and very yeah. like we're the best, and no one can stop us. Kind of that that kind of attitude. Whereas Mercedes is a lot more clinical and corporate and. Yeah, and understated to a degree in certain things, and I I just don't think Max would fit in with that. Whereas someone like George Russell coming up would. Bottas obviously did. Hamilton does. Like it's, I don't know. I I I just can't see them together in a relationship as as team and driver. I I agree with you, but then again, at the point they signed Hamilton, I think you could probably have said the same thing about Hamilton at that point in time. Yeah. I, I don't if you think of like what the Mercedes brand image is, and I don't think him and Hamilton, uh, them and Hamilton necessarily gel. Maybe more so these days, but I don't think so at the point they first signed hmm. him. Um Yeah. I guess they've sort of I guess, developed yeah, together. They, they, they've they've grown together yeah, into what they yeah. are today. You know, Mercedes have definitely gone a little bit more towards the more artsy, more free thinking, free form kind of culture mm-hmm. than that they than they were when they were originally bought by Mercedes in the first instance from Braun. But I think Hamilton has also corporated up a little bit as well. He's yeah, gone back in, into that direction. So they've sort of met each other halfway. Yeah. Um <sighs> Max Verstappen is just is a bit too far from. I think he's. I don't think it's fair to compare Hamilton and Hamilton then and Verstappen now. Like I think. No, I'm not saying they're comparable, but um, you, you know, you don't. They're very, you didn't very, see, very different people. I don't recall. Um, I don't recall Max Verstappen. I don't recall Lewis Hamilton ever calling anyone names for making the wrong decision or, or getting into punch ups with people. You know, no. So. I don't think they're a good combo, those two. I think, and and I think as well on to to um, Red Bull's credit, I think Max Verstappen wouldn't be the the celeb and the the sort of cultural touchstone exactly, that he is yeah, today yeah. if it wasn't for Red Bull. I think like Red Bull, yeah. the media machine at Red Bull, have bred Max Verstappen into oh, totally, being yeah. what he is today. So I, mean, I, I agree with that as well between the two teams there. Yeah, I like the other thing I think as well is. The, the the term that gets thrown around a lot with Red Bull over the years has been like they're kind of the party team on the grid, and yeah. like they're they're the ones that during um, uh, pack up at the end of a race weekend the they're the ones that've always got the 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 tunes banging out like they they're the ones that are like that upbeat kind of almost like youth within <laughs> within the paddock and. It, that, I think that's why Max just fits in so well there, and they've been able to do that with him because, I mean, it, whenever you go to a Grand Prix, that's exactly what a good majority of the fans following Max Verstappen are exactly <laughs> like on the campsite. Those exact same kind of tunes, exact same like, we're here, we're just here to have a good time and enjoy it no matter what happens. Like, that's what we're here for. We Like, we hope for the best, but, like, it, we're just here for the enjoyment of it all. And I think that's why it all kind of fits quite nicely for him at Red Bull. 
yeah, we've, we've experienced that firsthand on more than one occasion. <laughs> Many times. Yeah. I, think, I think another factor in that is who would be in charge of Mercedes at that point in time because mm. I think yeah. it's pretty clear that the the high ups at Mercedes and Daimler gave um, Toto Wolff and Nicky Lauda kind of um, a lot of autonomy to run that F team, F one team, the way they saw fit. They they clearly had a lot of trust in them to go away and you know if they said this is what we need to do and this is who we need to sign for the best of the team, it feels like they had a lot of trust to be able to just do that. And I'm sure if it was the case in a few years' time, they said Max Verstappen is the best thing for us right now, that that trust would still be there. But that's only necessarily if. Toto is still the one in charge, and if they are still being run in that fashion, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one though. It's I said, there's people like to talk about how many years Hamilton's got left, and after last season, I really feel like he's just going to stick around for quite a while now. Like there, there was a time when I thought we might be coming towards the end of his reign, but he's just showing no signs of slowing down, is he? Yeah, he's 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 just so good and so committed, and yeah, I think when if he does, it, it, whenever he does, I think he's gonna spring it on everyone. Though I don't think it's gonna be, I don't think you're gonna see it coming. He's gonna pull a Rosberg. Yeah, yeah. Do, go full Rosberg. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably got to sign wanna... a contract first. He's still not done that. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Do you, here's a question from his final question from from Stu. Um, <laughs> Do you Long think... time listener. Oh, sorry, we're out of time, guys. We have to wrap it up. Oh, no. oh, sorry. Long time listener, first time messenger. Well, yeah. um, do you think Hamilton will want a Formula E title at any point in his career? Maybe. he's very environmentally sort of focused, isn't he? It'd be a nice one to... I, I think if you're Hamilton, it'd be a nice one to have in the in the bank kind of thing. I think he's more likely to run a team in the same way he's doing with Extreme E than actually yeah. driving in it, to be honest. I, I've never seen him as the kind of driver that will leave F1 and then go and drive in other things. I feel like the day he stops racing F1 cars is the day he stops racing full stop. Fair. He strikes me as that kind of uh, driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I can see that. Cool. Well, that's it then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him him win a Formula E title or or a title in a in another series, but go win Le Mans or something. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him do the do the triple, the the triple crown. You know, the win at India, yeah. thing. But I think I don't know. I, I just don't. Think, I don't think he will do that. But I think it'd be cool if he did. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'd be super cool. I mean, it'd be cool for anyone to actually achieve it, wouldn't it? Be it would have been cool if Alonso had managed it, which he's still trying. But yeah. <laughs> he's trying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Well, let, let, shall, we, shall we finish off this beast? Are you, are you, are you, yeah, are you done, Stu? <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite finished, sorry. Okay, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, you wrote in a question and answered it yourself. That's something yeah. that you are <laughs> the only person in, in, in the history of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I've probably done it once or twice. So, but maybe on this show, at least, you're the only one. Um, but yeah, that is it for this week. So thank you to everyone who has joined us. Um, I guess the next time we will be back is probably going to be heading towards testing, unless like huge amounts of news 
break in the meantime. I mean, if we ever um, find out when testing is going to be officially. Well, yeah, we need we need firm firm confirmation. March feels uh, like a long way off, doesn't it? At this point. Yes and no. <laughs> well, yeah, the, like, I mean, time is just a vague concept at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I've lost all concept of time. So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we'll definitely be doing at least one episode, if not two, between now and the the start of the season, which is the end of March. Like, yeah. so. And I'll yeah. be working around testing, so we'll, we should have some good input yeah. for testing. So, so make sure you um, keep those podcast feeds up to date. Um, but yeah, that is it for this week. If you'd like to get us in touch, get us in touch. No, get in touch with <laughs> whoa, us. That's better. Whoa there. <laughs> careful what you promised. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us over social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Back of the Grid on the Mall and you'll find us there. Or you can head to backofthegrid.com where you can register in advance for next season's Prediction League or um, send us a message through the contact form there if you want to as well. So that is that. Um, that is everything, as I say, for this week. So thank you very much for joining us and we will see you again soon. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I've just um, opened Twitter and my entire feed is just photos of uh, Vettel, uh, his seat fit with his new shaved head and hairline that's way further back than you would expect. Oh, no. (laughs)